Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. The title of this interview is Suicide, The Secret of My Success, Dead Man Talking. We're going to be talking about suicide prevention as a workplace health and safety issue and landing and leveraging a TEDx talk. Our guest has seven of them. And who is this guest? Frank King. Eight. Who is Frank? <laughs> who is Frank King? Uh, he is a suicide prevention speaker and a writer for the Tonight Show for twenty years. Mm-hmm. He's fought a lifetime battle with depression and chronic suicidality, turning that long dark journey into seven TEDx talks and insights on mental health awareness, depression, and suicide running his family. He's thought about killing himself more times than he can count. And we got something in common there, though. I'm th- thankfully, I wasn't as, wasn't as common with me as it was with you. He uses his life lessons to start the conversation, giving people permission to give voice to their feelings and experiences. He believes that where there is humor, there is hope. Boy, you speak in my language there. Where there is laughter, there is life. Nobody dies laughing. I love that. Welcome, Frank. Thank you very much. By the way, now eight TEDx talks. I got to update my bio. Wow, that is fantastic. Eight. Man, that, that really uh, trumps my zero. But uh, one day, one day, and who knows with the information you've got, maybe that day will come sooner. Uh, of course it will. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great stuff. You know, uh, Frank, we're going to get into these uh, our topics. But, you know, uh, I like to start off with uh, you know, the dark side. You know, I was, uh, I'm, a rec- I'm a recovered, recovering addict, clean and sober a long time now. But uh, in those, uh, in the 90s, I, uh, I once put a gun to my head, put a round in the chamber, finger trembling on the trigger, the muzzle resting on the temple of my forehead, crying, and fr- standing naked. Uh, I was in much better shape than if you're going to picture it Uh, in in front of a a full length mirror uh, crying. And I said to God and excuse my language here. I'm just going to tell you just to reenact it accurately. I said, God, is there anything else before I pull this fucking trigger? And I'm not saying I heard the voice of God, but something told me to put that that gun down I put it down. I laid in bed for three days, three days clicking my not my heels but i kept my heels together clicking my the balls of my feet my toes together for three days phone ringing off the hook finally my mother came over said what's going on nobody get a hold of you and i said those magic words that i never said before mom i need help those words changed began the journey uh that i'm on right now so there's a little anecdote for me frank Welcome. <laughs> well, as my mother would say, on that happy note, uh... I live. It is happy. I live, and I'm doing great, and I've learned so much. <laughs> so, all right. Before we get into the to the, I mean, you we can get into the suicide stuff now. But I, before, if you, or I can just ask you a question. You just you 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 driving the bus, man. You ask. All right. I, you know what? And just because I lost my license due to several DUIs, which is actually. <laughs> Only lost it once, and that was 30 years ago. Right. Uh, one DUI. <laughs> uh, I will drive carefully now and very, with consideration, which is true. Uh, so, you are a comedian and comedy writer, and you talk yep. about depression and suicide. Uh, how does that work? Well, if you think about it, the world's first comedians were the court jesters. Their job was to speak truth to power on behalf of the powerless with humor. I believe I speak truth to the power of mental illness on behalf of those often powerless in its grip. And as you pointed out, I believe with this year, there's hope, where there's laughter, there's life that nobody dies laughing. And depression and suicide run in my family. 
It's called generational depression and suicide. My grandmother died by suicide. My mother found her. My great aunt died by suicide. My oh. mother, I found her. I was four years old. I screamed for days. And yeah, it was it was horror movie horrible. I mean, it was when people hear it, they're just, oh my God. And I myself came close enough to die by suicide in April of 2010 at the height of the recession after chapter seven bankruptcy, in which my wife and I lost everything we'd worked for in 25 years. But I can tell you what the barrel of my gun tastes like. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not pull the trigger. We got the same same ending. Yes. A friend of mine came up after a keynote not long ago. He goes, hey, man, I can't we didn't pull the trigger. I go, hey, man, could you try to sound slightly less disappointed? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't. And then I had been doing stand-up comedy. One of the reasons that we were broke was the last session meeting business, meeting conference convention business dropped off 80%. And when it came back, they said, Frank, listen, we love you. We can't pay you that kind of money anymore just to be funny. Because I've been a comedian, corporate comedian for the last, uh, at that point, 15 years. And uh, we have to teach our audience something, teach them something. So uh, what in the hell do I have to teach anybody? So I picked up a book by a friend of mine named Judy Carter. It's called The Message of You, Turn Your Life into a Money-Making Speaking Career. Went into it thinking I got nothing. Then I realized about halfway through, given my personal mental health issues and near suicide and my family, which is nuttier than a squirrel turd, that I could take some suicide prevention training, get some certification and keynote on suicide prevention. And the other hurdle was I've been a comic for 30 years. So how do I convince meeting planners and speakers bureaus that I can do something serious? I thought I'll do a TEDx talk. So I applied for one in Vancouver, BC, got lucky on the first try, got booked, and I did a suicide prevention speech, and I came out on stage as, as depressed and suicidal. Nobody knew that. My friends, my family, my wife, nobody had any idea how close I'd come to killing myself. My wife's about to push play on YouTube. When the TED talk went up, I said, stop. I need, I need to tell you about half a dozen things you don't know about me that I don't want you to learn for the first time in that video. So, and then got invited to two more TEDs from that. They said, do you have any more mental health topics? Oh yeah. And then I applied for my fourth and fifth. Um, my fifth was my favorite. The only one I've ever gotten a standing ovation for. Mental health and the orgasm. Treat your <laughs> depression single-handedly. <laughs> I love, I love my iPhone, but it's my second favorite handheld device. <laughs> and it got a standing ovation. And then I, I did a virtual one for number seven in the pandemic. And then because I've got an amazing LinkedIn marketing company I work with, a TEDx in India found me on LinkedIn. And they said, because I, I have a couple of TEDx's on mental with benefits, the evolutionary advantages of mental illness, you know, the positive side of mental illness. They say, we've never heard anybody say anything positive out of mental illness. And I believe that I'm not broken. I think I was made this way. My depression, thoughts of suicide, just the flip side of my creativity, imagination, comedic ability, same brain, same wiring. And so they said, you know, if you'll do uh, TED for us on the, you know, positive side of a variety of mental illnesses then you're on all right so i finished a rough draft yesterday wow that's incredible and uh, i mean even though your your statement was peppered with humor and comedy uh you know i i i have to say that i mean it's a it's a cliche that laughter is, is the best medicine but i have to say that you know humor to me is one of my greatest values. Yeah. Uh, and I, I find automatically because I've conditioned myself, I guess, to always find a funny angle to everything, to everything. I don't care what it is. I mean, I remember I was being at my sister's wake. All right. Oh my God. All right. And I'm over there with some guys on the side. Oh, I got I got cats here too, by the way, Frank. I got cats here. I got one over here. I love it. I got one making noise over here. I got, they're all rescues. Got five rescues running around here. One just died recently. I had six. I'm about to capture another one. Anyway, I'm over there on the side of the wake, joking with some friends that I'm going to, you know, my sister was my, like my best friend. I was, I'm going to knock over the, the, the coffin 
just, you know, because she would love it. And they were stopping me. I was walking towards the coffin. You know, I, and I just find the funny angle, not just, not to be a dick. So people would think I'm a dick. Oh, why are you going to be a dick? I'm not being a dick. I'm just, you know, offering some levity, you know, just, we don't have to be so morose about things or so serious about things. Yeah, you want to have some appropriateness, but then again, comedy is built on being inappropriate. But you know, not all. You don't want to be a dick, you know. But I, I find it to laugh, or at least to think with that humor. You don't. I don't have to make the joke, but for me to think of the joke helps me. Yeah, that's not not everybody's brain. Not everybody's brain works that way. Uh, yeah. To be able to process it, I tell people I can teach you to write stand up and perform stand up. I cannot teach you to process the incoming information yeah. the way my brain does. Yeah. In my TEDx, there's humor. I mean, it's dark, but I, I talk about how I went to TED.com to see how other people handle the topic of suicide, figuring that there'd be dozens of talks on, if not more, on suicide. And I found three talks on suicide. So I said to the audience, well, duh, if you're really good at suicide, you're not going to be recording a TED talk. And then later on, I talk about how my grandmother died using a gas stove and my great aunt died using an old Loctite refrigerator. What is it with my family and major appliances? Every time I drive past Sears, I tear up. So, you know, just to give them, because the thing is, in a topic that dark, if you can give them a little comic relief along the way, funny, true anecdote from your life, then, you know, it's much easier to digest the rest of it. Absolutely. I think that a very common malady, extremely common, is this uh, disease of taking ourselves too seriously. And, uh, and, when you, and when you know when you suffer from it, when you don't laugh or can't laugh or, you know, haven't found, you found that you haven't laughed in perhaps too long. And, and I would suggest that, you know, look for the funny side, look for the funny angle, make a self-deprecation, self-deprecating observation, something. Life is not this serious. We're all going out. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going out fine you know you know make a laugh for yourself or for others they'll appreciate it as long as it's not too you know offensive especially these days right um yeah I, I, I it's a, invaluable i did a show for for uh chase um jp morgan chase hired by uh jamie diamond to mc an event and he said frank here's what's gonna happen you're gonna come out you're gonna mc you're gonna do some of your stand-up then you're going to introduce me. And he said, then you're going to make fun of me. <laughs> he said, yes, I want you to take a shot at me on stage in front of all the rank and file. I said, because it'll humanize me. And so he said, and I'll take it well. And they'll, they'll, they may not realize, but they appreciate it. So he comes out and he's wearing a salmon colored shirt. And I looked at him and I said, you know, like a golf shirt. I go, Hey, Jamie, that's a good looking shirt. Does that by chance come in a man style? <laughs> Audience explodes. And of course they loved him to death after that. So, I mean, that's the power of humor and the power of letting me take a shot at him in front of them. It always worries me when a CEO or somebody in the C-suite does not have a sense of humor or I can't poke a little fun. Yeah. That don't, I don't think that's healthy. I'll, I, again, mentioning self-deprecation, I'll do that as a matter of strategy. Yeah. I do that. I take myself down. People loosen up a little bit uh, in, in a number of dynamics. Uh, it's, it's very powerful. Uh, and everyone gets it. <laughs> That's a, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets it, right? Oh, yeah, I open every show, every comedy show with some deprecating, self-deprecating. I'm losing my hair. You know, I'm on a high fiber diet because I got high cholesterol. You know, I should never have married my first wife, you know, well, you know, we had nothing in common, but you know what they say, opposite to track. She was pregnant. I wasn't. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So it's always, you know, cause you're up on a stage, you're above them physically. And if yeah. you, you do some self-deprecating humor and point out, you're just an average guy. Right. Then you can connect. Absolutely. Great stuff. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll come right back with the funny Frank, funny Frank King. And then we're gonna get into some of the less funny things. I've already, already touched on suicide, but I really wanna get deep into this suicide stuff, Frank. All right, well, we'll come right back. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Proficio. When people learn something, they want to use it. 
so it has real value. And the best teacher is experienced. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where Proficio will have you taking action with what you're learning immediately. You'll be closer to your goals before you even realize it. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozzo. We're having a fantastic conversation with Frank King. We, you know, and he, he wrote for the Today Show. He is a suicide prevention expert or speaker. Uh, and you know, before I even get into the suicide stuff, you 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 gave um, a bunch of your bio, which is really incredible. Um, and we'll we'll get into that in a moment. But I, I would like to I'm interested a little in a little bit about your, the certifications you got in mental health. Uh, how did how how did you become interested to do that? And what were the ones you got? Well, I knew I could keynote if I had something to share. <clears throat> if I could teach the audience. You know, it's, it's um, learning objectives. And they sound like this. After they hear him speak, the audience will be able to. Or when Frank King speaks, the audience will learn how to. So I needed something for them to take away. And I teach them the signs and symptoms of depression and thoughts of suicide. Because 8 out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. 9 out of 10 give hints in the last, le- last week leading up to an attempt which means the vast majority want to be saved, can be saved, if you know what to look and listen for and how to respond. So that's what I teach them. And I took a course called uh, QPR, Question, Persuade, Refer. And I'm a train the trainer in QPR. Then something called Mental Health First Aid. I'm a train the trainer in Mental Health First Aid. And then the first one I took was actually um, called Working Mind, Suicide Prevention as a Workplace Health and Safety Issue. And the reason that's important is because 80% 80% of suicides are people 18 to 65. And where are people 18 to 65 every day at work? So, and then when I began speaking, I selected six of the top 10 at-risk occupations for suicides. The one, you know, the occupation that had the highest rate, for example, construction leads the league. 1,000 people die roughly every year, die in construction from accident. 5,000 die from suicide. You're five times more likely to jump off the building than fall off. Shocking. Yes, and a need. And I tell my speakers that I train, if you're a keynote, I don't care how good it is. If you're not addressing a pain point or solving a problem, nobody's going to book it. And you got to figure out who your ideal clients are, who the five or six client groups that really need to hear what you have to say and willing to pay for it. Wow. That, you're talking about TEDx talk now. <laughs> or keynote. Yes, but, or keynote. But, most of my clients are speakers. They either want to start a career with a TEDx or up their game. And most of all the TEDx companies, coaching companies I'm aware of, once you get the TED, they're, they're done. But I have another half of the program, which is speaker marketing mentoring. I get them turnkey ready to be booked by an event planner or a meeting, you know, or a meeting planner or a speaker's bureau. In other words, they've got a sizzle reel, a demo video. They've got a one-pager. They've got a website strictly for speaking so that everything looks professional. So when a meeting planner arrives there at, a, at, at their website, say, that's all they see is that they speak on this topic. And I try to encourage them, as they say in speaking, to pick a lane. Starting in January 1st, 2018, all I did from that point forward was suicide prevention speaking. I've got a networking speech and a motivational speech. I don't market those anymore. I just market suicide prevention. That's my lane. I decided to go deep, not wide, because long game, no matter what kind of business you're in, is to become a thought leader, expert in that topic. So that when people come looking for somebody who does what you do, they come looking for you, not just for anybody. And it's happened a couple, three times in the last seven, seven years, I guess. Uh, So eight years where people have come looking, they go, no, we know who you are. We heard about you. We want to book you. That's what you're after, that, you know, your brand is so strong. You're thought of as a thought leader expert. They don't want just anybody who speaks on that. They want you. That's great. Now, you you mentioned um, uh, a list of indicators or markers for depression or and suicide. The person may be ambivalent or not very aware of them. Can you quickly share what those are? Yeah, 
this is obviously not an exhaustive list, but uh, top three in my mind for signs of depression. Mm-hmm. Eat too much, can't eat. Sleep too much or can't sleep. Um, they have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. So often late to work, school, but in the afternoon they rally almost like a different person. <laughs> One you can actually see is they tend to let their personal hygiene go. So normally it used to be they're you know pretty well put together. And yeah. today their hair's kind of dirty, clothes aren't quite so clean, maybe because they can't drag themselves out of bed to run a load of wash and take a shower. Yeah. Now the question always comes up, what do you say to somebody who either told you they're depressed or you believe they are? Let's start with what you don't say. Uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Turn that frown upside down. Have you tried joy? <laughs> I know. The guy who said that to me, I said to him, look, unless you're talking about dishwashing liquid, I'm out of luck. <laughs> what you do say is, I'm here for you and I mean it. I know you're not lazy or crazy or self-absorbed. I know that depression is a mental illness. But here's the good news. With time and treatment, it'll get better. I'll take the time. I'll help you get the treatment. And here's the difficult part. You have to ask them in no uncertain terms, are you having thoughts of suicide? Just like that. There's no wife's tale. You should never mention suicide in front of somebody who's depressed because it might give them the idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> suicide. What a great idea. Oh, I hadn't considered that one yet. Yeah, exactly. It never crossed my mind. Um, actually, the reverse is true. Mentioning the word suicide in front of somebody who's depressed and contemplating suicide actually lowers the risk. Because you've started the conversation. Yes. That's, that's okay. So let's say, now what, what don't you say to somebody who admits they're suicidal? Well, you don't say you're looking for attention. You're being melodramatic. Nobody who talks about it never does it. What you do say is, okay, do you have a plan? And if their plan is detailed, time, place, and method, you do your best to get them to a mental health facility simply for evaluation, maybe medication. And People ask me, when do you call the cops? If they're in immediate danger to themselves or somebody else, you got no choice. But bear in mind, in most states, that will get them a three-day involuntary detention order. They'll be locked down in a psych ward for three days. The question came up one time, what if they got a plan, a suicide plan, but it's not detailed? Well, here's what I would do. I'd go, well, are you going to kill yourself? If they say no, I go, okay, great. Tell me why not. Make them give voice to whatever's keeping them here because something is keeping them here. And you can leverage that something. It's called a turning point in suicide prevention work. And definitely, definitely don't help them with the plan. No. Yeah. And don't. Yeah. Why did you Google it? Um, Yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, well, and, and signs of let's say they don't tell you they're suicidal. How would you know? Well, you catch them Googling death and dying or suicide. Uh, they talk about death and dying. Death and dying appears as a theme in their artwork or their music or their writing. They are getting their affairs in order, including especially giving away prized possessions because they want to make sure those possessions go to the people they want them to go to when they're gone. Here's one that's counterintuitive and very dangerous. They've been depressed forever. Now they're happy for no reason. Well, you're happy because they're happy, but they may be happy because they've chosen time, place, method and they know the pain is coming to an end because i believe suicide most often is not about wanting to kill yourself simply wanting to end the pain so that's the um that's the 411 yeah i mean that's fantastic share very very valuable very informative thank you so much frank sure you know the, the story that i that i opened up the interview with you know that was with me i was staying away from drugs but my psychic pain was increasing nonetheless, despite it. It, it was just, a, you know, whatever the reason, I was not accepting of my situation. And it's just, life had become too painful. Yep. And, and I talked about it a lot. I talked about it a lot. I'm, and I found myself talking about, I was like, Tony, shut up about this shit already. You know, you pull the tree of shit or get off the pot, <laughs> you know? And thankfully, uh, you know, I talked myself out of it or, you know however you want to frame it but uh that was really great stuff thank you so much for that sure. uh yeah and i also i want to uh, circle back on the tedx talk um yeah when you first okay you 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 did a research you did research on this topic on suicide prevention and then you uh and then soon thereafter you booked your first talk how how much time did, did, did it take and were there any specific 
steps that you had to get to that you reached out for or you was your goal? Well, in, I use the training. Process. Well, say, I, use the training. I use the training that I had to construct the keynote. Uh, the keynote is, is sort of like a giant TEDx talk. The TEDx is built like this. First third, maybe five, six minutes is your backstory, your messes and stresses, all the crap you've been through. Yeah, yeah. The middle third is what you learned. And then the last third is, now what are you going to teach them? So I've often said to my students, your story is not a TED and a TED is not your story. It's part of it. They want to know the messes and stresses, the backstory. How'd you get here? And then what'd you learn all that crap? Now we're going to teach them. So keynotes like that. I go through my backstory, what qualifies me. I start off right away with, I know what you're thinking. Comedian doing, you know. So is that prevention work? How does that happen? So I give them that, tell them the horror story that was my great aunt's suicide when I was four years old. And then talk about my own personal mental health struggles. And then what I've learned in all that. And then uh, the last segment is, okay, now here's what I'm going to teach you. Because the good news is eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent, nine out of 10 give hints. I make the, make the audience the hero in the piece. I say to them, you can make a difference. You can save a life. And you can do it by doing something as simple as what we're doing right here. And that is starting a conversation. So I am, I am empowering them to save people, having given them the information they need to spot it and what to do. So it's that's a, that's a basic keynote. It's 45 minutes, I do 15 in Q&A, and then the individual chats afterwards when people don't want to share in front of everybody. That, that is such great stuff that you're sharing with the audience, with me and the audience right now. I, I so appreciate it. Sure. I mean, even the even the formulaic stuff, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't need Frank's course. Well, if he's giving you this stuff for free, wait till, wait, I wonder what he gets you, you know, what you get for, what you pay for. But great, great stuff, man. This is fantastic. I, great. I love it. Well, here's what you get. Most of TEDx coaching companies and some that charge more than I do, you get one one-on-one -on -one Zoom session. Everything after that's group session. I do an hour a week on Zoom, one-on-one -on -one with all my clients. We fill out one or two applications each week and we work on our speaker marketing package, you know, the one sheet and the website, video, get them ready. So when the TEDx posts, they can begin to leverage that to get some, you know, more jobs and higher money. Um, that's, and in the application process, TED does not make it easy to find the application links because I you get a couple hundred people per event. They're trying to keep the numbers down, I think. So I find the application links. But you, that, that, TEDx have, has an event which you go to when you speak at. That's the way it yep. works, right? right? X means local. So TEDx ah. National, TEDx Chicago. The big TED is Vancouver, BC. Once a year for a week is oh. Bill Gates, Elon Musk. Uh, but the X means local. And there's 200 plus of those around the country. Okay, and now. 1,200 in the world. So... I find the application links, get together with my client for an hour a week, one-on-one, -on -one, we fill them out. And the key, it seems to me, first hurdle is making it creative enough that it'll stop the scroll. Because if I am on the selection committee and I've got a hundred applications to go through, I'm moving. And I'm, not, and I'm not looking for the first reason to book you. I'm looking at the first thing I can find not to book you an audition. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I work very hard on the title and subtitle because if we can make the title sticky enough, it's a marketing pitch. Uh, one of my clients wrote a book called Sober Letters to My Drunken Self. <laughs> it's in a 12-step program. It's about the emotional impact. They don't tell you about generally in 12-step. 12-step is very mechanical. But with, with alcoholism or drug addiction, you know, there's stigma and shame and they don't talk a lot about that. So that was what his talk was about. But the title is Nebulous. Sober letters to my drunken self. Okay, if I see that line, I'm slowing down. I'm going to read the subtitle and then the three-line description because it interests me. Right. Got to hook them. Like, like mental health and the orgasm, treat your depression single-handedly. I'm sure that slowed the scroll for a lot of people. Right, right. Now so you, want to be, you want to be you want to be a, a bit vague or maybe a, a lot vague in the in the opener, but then you get you narrow down yeah. in your specificity. Yeah, you hook them with the opener. Um, I got a woman who had breast cancer, a very aggressive form, double mastectomy, survived five years, cancer-free right now. And her title was, How Cancer Saved My Life. And the subtitle was, And How My Other Fears Almost Killed Me. 
So you read how cancer saved my life. I'm slowing down because I need to know how that happened. That's great. So that's so you need so I work very hard on the creative part of it. And then if they get the audition, there's a couple of questions they always ask at the audition. One is great idea, Frank. What are you going to teach the audience? So we have a document bullet pointed for the, with the takeaways for the audience. What are they going to learn? They also ask you if you quote a factor figure. Where did you get that percentage number? You have to have your links to any research you did because they're terrified of junk science. Yeah. So I, I have my clients prepare a sheet. When I sent my rough draft in to this little latest TEDx, <clears throat> I also attached a document with all the links where I found the research, the mental health research. Uh, and then if you get to talk, then I help them construct it and practice it. And see if we can't find somewhere they can practice it live. Like I always recommend, look, the Rotary, the Rotarians get together every week and they have a speaker every week and they give you 20 minutes, plenty of time to do your TED and they give you lunch. <laughs> so we try to find spots where they can do it before they go on stage at the TED. And then once they get it and it goes up on YouTube, as I mentioned, then we try to leverage it for more bookings, higher fees, sell books, whatever your goals happen to be. Wow, what, what great stuff you're sharing, man. It's fantastic. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, our sponsor and we'll come right back with Frank King. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. How is your financial health? Are you ready for emergencies? What if you actually had in you the wisdom of Benjamin Franklin? There's a reason why his face is on the $100 bill. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O where you can make certain that you're on the road to be financially independent no matter what happens. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. And you know, previously when I came back from a break, I, I re-announced Frank King as the funny th Frank King. But you know what? That's out. Because uh, this stuff has been so incredible. It, I'm going to say the very valuable and informative Frank King. This has been really wonderful. Stuff. Oh, I mean, not on, on multiple levels, man. I mean, you're hitting it all. You're hitting all the spots, man. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, and for your entrepreneurs who are listening, because I do a number of podcasts for entrepreneurs. They go, well, uh, one third of entrepreneurs, two studies I read, one third are depressed and suicidal. You know, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I, uh, you know, I'm basically a very positive person. I used to be an extremely negative person. Uh, people who knew me back then hardly recognize me now and vice versa. I've been I've been striving to launch my app and with my I'm the head of a technological coaching company right now. I get frustrated sometimes. Even now, years later, I've even had the thought of suicide because of the, the frustrations, the disappointments, the you know that I had. Now, fortunately, I just I I entered, I laughed it right out of my head. Uh, but you know, it can, you know, if it landed somewhere at a, at a greater perch, it might be more difficult. Yeah. Uh, that this and people I, I've confided in this to a few confidants and they were shocked. They're like, "You, Tony, you, Mr. Tony, Pazza? Tony, no, Tony P, no, yeah, hey, 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 hey. You, know, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm thinking of suicide. Uh, so uh, you know, they, but it's true. So man, that well, that resonates. And uh, and I tell entrepreneurs that there, there's some things in the speaking business that apply across the board for entrepreneurs. I believe. Uh, one great thing about a TEDx is, is it forces the speaker to pick one idea because that's what TED is about. An idea worth spreading, not two, not three. And to be very concise, you know, not a thesis, 18 minutes. That's not a lot of time. So what you've done is you focused them. You've had them niche their speaking to one topic. Again, pick a lane, become a thought leader. And I tell entrepreneurs, look, I looked around my town at all my friends in the uh, Chamber of Commerce, picked out two who are super successful, completely different businesses, auto body shop, another guy owned three radio stations. What do these two guys have in common? And it, I, it hit me right away. They do one thing and they do it extremely well. No side hustles, you know, no, no distractions. So I, that's, that's when I decided, okay, I'm just going to be a suicide prevention speaker. Because I believe whatever business you're in, the riches are in the niches. I don't want so if I'm hiring a networking speaker, I don't want somebody who's got a half a dozen keynotes and a wide variety of topics. 
I want the guy who I, it appears, that's all he or she does. Networking speeches. Used to be you could get away with being a jack of all trades in the speaking business, but you know, things have changed. You know, dollars have gotten tighter. They want somebody who's dead on target. And that's why I have a landing page for construction, one for agriculture, one for healthcare, you know, so that when the meeting planner lands there, that's all they see. You join the conversation in the client's mind. A young woman said to me, I said, how'd you find me? She goes, well, Frank, you've got a great SEO. I typed in, so there's a speaker, agriculture. You came up. She goes, now I'm reading your first paragraph and I swear, she said, it sounds like this. I know I wrote it, but it says, hey, I bet you're here because you've been selected to pick just the right suicide prevention for the next agriculture function. She said to me, I'm thinking to myself, how does he know that? <laughs> but you're joining the conversation when she lands there. That's She doesn't know I speak on construction and veterinarians and dentists. All she knows is I'm the suicide prevention speaker, agriculture. And again, I think if you're an entrepreneur, you want to be known for one thing. And, and do that extremely well. So when people think, I need, uh, you know, advertising radio station. No, oh, John Malkay, got three stations, very successful. Todd's Auto Body. The guy is backed up six weeks. I, do, I, I pull the bumper off my car, leaving my garage, and I got a bungee corded back on. So I take it in, they look it over, and they go, okay, well, we got you an appointment six weeks from now. What? That's how busy they are. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> So, but that's because that's all Todd yeah. does, period. So, so, so you really espouse, and it seems like you really teach in your course, uh, the, the how critical marketing is and how they need to niche market and just market yeah. in an effective way. You become, yeah, so when they come looking for, whether it's auto body work or to advertise a radio station or whatever it is you're an entrepreneur in, you that's all you're known for. You know, you're not talking about Bitcoin. You're not talking about, you know, uh, you that's i want i want a specialist if i'm spending that kind of money yeah somebody that's all they do all day long you know they, they you know they eat it drink it sleep it you know so it's yeah and that's what i offer my clients is you know i there's a big construction company called turner construction the biggest company in the country construction company and tishman spire is a developer i did seven keynotes in two and a half days in manhattan in the building under construction <laughs> and the guy i'm talking to he goes how'd you find me he goes frank it was just i i typed in since i originally you know construction you came up i typed it a different way you came up <laughs> and i typed it a third way and i'm like okay screw it and i told my team this is the guy how do you know just trust me this is the guy that's what you want you want to be the guy or the gal who you know you're obviously the person they need right now. <clears throat> and again, <clears throat> with your speaker, auto buy shop, radio station owner, whatever it is, again, I understand why people have side hustles. You know, things are tough. I made that mistake in the last recession, seven, 2007, eight, nine. I tried to diversify. I did all kinds of little things. I should have gone deeper into the speaking and comedy rather than go wide. Wow. Yeah, I should have never, you know, tried to, you know, I became an auctioneer and I became a real estate agent. And that and I, will surprise people. Yeah, I just, I, this time around in this, you know, when the, when the recession came along or close to it, um, this time I thought, all right, I guess it was when, the, when uh, Obama left office and the recession. Yeah, I went deep, not wide. I didn't do, and, you know, people are constantly offering me, you know, it's passive income, doing your spare time. Nope, nope. No, it's, I don't know about you. I suffer from SOS, shiny object syndrome. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. I make money? Really? I can make money? Yeah. It, you know, I have to put my blinders on. Yeah. Because every minute I tell them, look, every minute will only be a couple hours a week, but that's a couple of hours. I'm not marketing what I do best. Right. Right. Yeah. But I understand that. I understand the seduction. I understand yeah. the shiny objects. Yeah. You're preaching to the choir, brother, because I've learned this the hard way, man. You, what a person needs to do is focus, focus. And what was that other thing? Oh, yeah, focus. focus. Uh, that's what a person needs to do. Uh, well, the thing is. Part of the problem, Tony, is oftentimes entrepreneurs can do a great number of things, very talented in a lot of areas. 
The question is, should they? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. yeah. A little diversity might not hurt. Where's that chain yeah. object again? Now, now, bear in mind, I still do stand up on cruise ships. I do about 12 weeks a year on cruise ships. <laughs> That's great. Well, but I do it during the summer when people aren't usually conventioning. So I'm not interfering with my corporate work or the holidays. And I teach TEDx. But the TEDx, it, you know, it's, it's, and the speaking, I mean, TEDx is speaking. Um, friend of mine, a coach, uh, I mean, I wasn't paying her, but we we're friends. This is right before the recession. I'm sorry, right before the pandemic. She goes, Frank, listen, I get the feeling you're teaching people how to get a TEDx and you're not charging them and that shit's got to stop. <laughs> Some of the best, some of the best business advice I ever got. She goes, you need to be charged. You need a website that's only, I have two websites, the mental health comedian and the TEDx coach, TED, your TEDx coach. They're separate. She goes, you need a website and you start charging. Well, how much should I charge? She goes, okay, are you sitting down? She goes, I did a little research. There's a company um, run by a guy named Taylor Conroy, charges $6,800. So I think you should be, you should be a little under him. You should charge five, nine, nine, seven. And you're offering an hour a week, individual, not group. So you're less money, more attention, personal attention. I said, okay, you're on. And I had the website built, started advertising, charged them. I've got 25 or 26 TEDx coaching clients right now. So, and two of them just got a TEDx this week. That's great. So. Yeah, so it's, I also um, heard you have an OnlyFans account too. Did I hear that one right? Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> let me. Uh, yeah, no, you are. That is that is cold. Um, well, and as part of my mental health, you know, I have a self care plan, self care plan, which I recommend whether you have mental health issues or not. I believe everybody should have a self. I did a. I realized at the beginning of the pandemic that my mentally ill friends and I were well positioned to survive the pandemic because <laughs> we all have a self-care plan. Yeah, yeah. And and I did I did virtual keynotes the entire time during the pandemic to neurotypical people called social distancing and staying sane. Don't worry about your mentally ill friends <laughs> because we have a self. So I taught you know normal people how to create a self-care plan because because of all the uncertainty. You know, in the upheaval, you know, people were situationally depressed. They mm -hmm. they probably didn't recognize it because how would you know right. if you've never, you know, if you've never been depressed, how the hell would you know you're depressed? So, um, yeah, somebody called me up and said, hey, man, how are you surviving the pandemic? I go, look, I've had two aortic valve replacements, a double bypass, a heart attack, three stents. Uh, I live with two mental illnesses and I lost to a duck puppet on the old star search. This is not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that's great. Well, here's a, here's a comedy corollary or comedy in comedy. They say comedy is tragedy plus time. So, you know, you take something tragic and you, like you said, you process it through your brain, my brain and out comes something, you know, funny. All right. <laughs> oh, so everyone is listening, but you got to see this picture that Frank is holding up, man. It's a shredded body. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my uh, third bodybuilding contest. That's 8% body fat. That's is that, my only Is that really you? Is that, I thought it might have been Photoshop. That's really No, no, that's me. That's, uh, that's my you only guys, guys, listen, you got to go to YouTube and, and check out the channel and check out Yeah, look at, look at that package, man. Look at it. Look at that banana hammock. Oh my um, God. Now, I can tell you stuff something down his speedo. Yeah, that's, it's a baked potato. Uh, <laughs> that's great, man. That was my third, third bodybuilding contest. That's incredible, man. Holy, so you just added a whole new facet to it. That's incredible. Well, part of my, you know, I exercise every day and that's part of my self-care plan. That, you know, that's I think great. when you have a job, you know, like an entrepreneur, I believe you should have a, uh, something, a hobby completely different. You know, that has nothing to do with what you do for a living. And, you know, I could go into the gym and never speak to anybody and I speak for a living. So it's, you know, it's a completely different, you know, activity. And I can see the progress, take pride in it, go to the contest. You know, it's, there's a lot of social that goes on with the social life with the contest. You know, people compete year over year. And I'm old. 
you know, so I'm, I'm kind of the clown. I'm like the clown prince of bodybuilding here locally. Um, and so he, he, by the way, listener, Frank lives out in <clears> Oregon. <throat> if you go, if you go, you go to an Oregon bodybuilding competition, look for the funny one. Uh, yes. I'm always <laughs> on stage, you know, cause you're not, you're really not supposed to say anything. <laughs> one, one in the last contest I was in, the judges got somehow got their number screwed around in a particular um, category. So there are four of us on stage. And the guy at the far end is just, I mean, he's just amazing. He's already won another category that day. And so they announced, okay, now they do fourth, third, second, first. So they announced fourth place and it was him. And we're all looking at each other. And I went, wait a minute, fourth place, that's mine. <laughs> and the judges looked down and go oh we're sorry and sure enough they reversed it and i got fourth place so uh you know there's those moments where you can add a little levity uh i opened up for randy travis twice two nights one weekend michigan in the summer five thousand people per show but he's a singer and you're a comedian so you yeah that, that type of thing okay and five thousand people now randy has a band and lyrics and music and backup singers. I've got a microphone. Yeah. And 5,000 people. Right. I didn't even break a sweat. <laughs> but standing in my underwear in that picture in front of 100 people and I'm dancing around for a minute flexing, I was terrified. Oh, well, I can imagine, man. Talk about exposing yourself. Wow. Wow stuff. Unfortunately, we only have, we, we're going to, we have just one final segment. With Frank, so we'll take off our, our last break and our unfortunate last segment with Frank. Right after, we'll come back for this sorry and last segment with Frank King. This episode of Self Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Perficio learns more about you as you make progress and then uses that information to help you even more. It is quasi AI. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can be helped by something that learns more about you because that is the difference that makes the difference. You are listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petrozzo. We're having an incredible conversation with Frank King. And Frank, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and get really sure. serious for a moment. <clears throat> uh, how did you come to write for The Tonight Show for 20 years? <laughs> oh, well, um, when I started doing comedy full time, uh, you know, I announced to my wife and, or my girlfriend, now my wife, we're going on the road. Leno was simply the, the permanent guest host for Johnny Carson. Yeah. He was the one guy. Yeah. And so Johnny would pull up on a Friday night and go, I'm taking next week off, which meant Jay had four monologues the following week, 18 jokes a monologue that he had to come up with over the weekend. Um, so he started hiring road comics like me to fax in jokes when he needed them. So I'd fax in a dozen, two dozen jokes. And then when he got the Tonight Show for real, got the job himself, he kept only a couple of us um, contract labor types, you know, writing at a distance. And I was one of them. And I continued to pump in 12 or 24 jokes a day. And I was averaging two in the monologue. Uh, I had two on his very first show, first monologue, but I was averaging about two a week. And he's a great guy. When I had my first aortic valve replacement, the first phone call I got when I got into a regular room was from Leno. And in our fourth book on men's mental health, the fourth book, I called Jay and I asked him, would he blurb the cover? Because we want some help marketing it, maybe bump it up to a bestseller on Amazon. And he, he gave us a blurb for the cover and we made, we were a bestseller in three categories on Amazon that day. So really, really nice guy. Wow, fantastic. Uh, and now, and I was a little facetious there, of course, uh, but now I am going to uh, be, okay, I guess it's the same amount of facetiousness. Uh, you came close, you told about your, you know, your, your, all these relatives that died of suicide and how you came close. Um, now, can you tell us uh, what the barrel of your gun tasted like? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Relief. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. What a surprise that is to people. Yeah. I would have, I would have said gun oil. You know, yeah, gun oil, you know, a little, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so, several people have asked me that. And man, when I go, relief. Yeah. They, yeah. It staggers them. 
because yeah. that you know it was the end of the pain was coming. Yeah, of course, of course. Yep. Frank, you know, I have had many, many wonderful guests uh, with all sorts of valuable and, and uh, useful, immediately accessible information. I got to say, no one, ha no one has been more accessible or useful or important than you and, and this conversation we had. I am so grateful to you coming on and to meet you, sir. Really great stuff. Um, and uh, how do people get a hold of you? Oh, uh, I've got a website. It's uh, the, or as we say down south, the mental health comedian, the mental health comedian.com. If you go there and put an email address in, I, I narrate the books for Audible, the four books on men's mental health. And the first one, if you put an email address in, is free, unabridged, uh, download an MP3. So you can get the first book for free. Wow, a free audio book. Listen, are you listening, people? You listen, get this guy's free audio book. All you also to cost you is your email address. I'd say it's a fair deal, man. Yep. It's, uh, and you've got three other books too. Fantastic. Yep. And you also have uh, the, the TEDx website, I understand. Yes, uh, yourtedxcoach.com. Frank, you know, um, every I have, I've had a few guests that I'm like, okay, I, I've got to do this guy or this woman's program. You just, you're the latest latest person on that list, and I'll be talking right. to you down the road about it because you kind of hooked me, sir. Uh, and I'm going to yeah. check out your websites, and, and we'll be talking uh, about it because uh, I, I see the value. I see the value of being a TEDx talker, and uh, you kind of hooked me. Great stuff, man. You have been wonderful. Uh, do you have any uh, any final remarks for the audience? Yes. Remember this. Suicide is the most preventable cause of death on the planet. With the information we've given you today, you can make a difference. You can save a life and you can do it by doing something as simple as Tony and I are doing. And that is starting a conversation. Great stuff. Great stuff, Frank. And remember, everyone, we're all responsible for ourselves and we could all use a little help. And with that, thank you so much for joining me and Frank King on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.